Chapter Four of *The Defiant Agents* by Andre Norton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. *The Defiant Agents*, Chapter Four. Fire, mankind's oldest ally, weapon, tool, leapt high before the naked stone of the mountainside. Men sat cross-legged about it, fifteen of them, and behind, guarded by the flames in that somber circle, were the women. There was a uniformity in this gathering. The members were plainly all of the same racial stock, of medium height, stocky, yet fine down to the peak of stamina and endurance, their skin brown, their shoulder-length hair black. And they were all young, none over thirty, some still in their late teens. Alike, too, was a certain drawn look in their faces, a tenseness of the eyes and mouth as they listened to Travis. So we must be on Topaz. Do any of you remember boarding the ship? No, only that we awoke within it. Across the fire one chin lifted, the eyes which caught Travis held a deep, smoldering anger. This is more trickery of the Pindalik Oyi, the white eyes. Between us there has never been fair dealing. They have broken their promise as a man breaks a rotten stick for their words are as rotten. And it was you, Fox, who brought us to listen to them." A stir about the circle, a murmur from the women. "'And do I not also sit here with you in this strange wilderness?' he countered. "'I do not understand,' another of the men held out his hand, palm up, in a gesture of asking. "'What has happened to us? We were in the old Apache world. I, Jill Lee, was riding with a Cuchillo negro as we went down to the taking of Ramos. And then I was here, in a broken ship, and beside me a dead man who was once my brother. How did I come out of the past of our people into another world across the stars?" "'Pindalik o ye tricks!' the first speaker spat into the fire. "'It was the Redax, I think,' Travis replied. I heard Dr. Ash discuss this, a new machine which could make a man remember not his own past, but the past of his ancestors. While we were on that ship we must have been under its influence, so we lived as our people lived a hundred years or more ago." "'And the purpose of such a thing?' Jill Lee asked. "'To make us more like our ancestors, perhaps. It is part of what they told us at the project. To venture into these new worlds requires a different type of man than lives on Terra today. Traits we have forgotten are needed to face the dangers of wild places. You, Fox, have been beyond the stars before, and you found there were such dangers to face? It is true. You have heard of the three worlds I saw when the ship from the old days took us off, unwilling to the stars. Did you not all volunteer to pioneer in this manner so you could see strange and new things? But we did not agree to be returned to the past in medicine dreams and be sent unknowingly into space." Travis nodded. Declay is right. But I know no more than you why we were so sent or why the ship crashed. We have found Dr. Ruthven's body in the cabin with that new installation. Only we have discovered nothing else which tells us why we were brought here. With the ship broken, we must stay." 
They were silent now, men and women alike. Behind them lay several days of activity, nights of exhausted slumber. Against the cliff wall lay the packs of supplies they had salvaged from the wreck. By mutual consent they had left the vicinity of the broken globe, following their old custom of speedily withdrawing from a place of death. This is a world empty of men? Jill Lee wanted to know. So far we have found only animal signs, and the Gotten have not warned us of anything else. Those devil ones! Again Declay spat into the fire. I say, we should have no dealings with them. The Mba'a is no friend to the people. Again a murmur which seemed one of agreement answered that outburst. Travis stiffened. Just how much influence had the Redax had over them? He knew from his own experience that sometimes he had an odd double reaction, two different feelings which almost sickened him when they struck simultaneously. And he was beginning to suspect that with some of the others the return to the past had been far more deep and lasting. Now Jill Lee was actually to reason out what had happened. While Declay had reverted to an ancestor who had ridden with Victorio or Magnus Colorado, Travis had a flash of premonition, a chill which made him half foresee a time when the past and the present might well split them apart, fatally. Devil or gotten? A man with a quiet face, rather deeply sunken eye, spoke for the first time. We are in two minds because of this redax so let us not do anything in haste. Back in the desert world of the people I have seen the Mba'a, and he was very clever. With the badger he went hunting, and when the badger had dug up the rat's nest, so did the Mba'a wait on the other side of the thorny bush and watch those who would escape that way. Between him and the badger there was no war. These two who sit over yonder now, they are also hunters and they seem friendly to us. In a strange place a man needs all the help he can find. Let us not call names out of old tales which may mean nothing in fact." Buck speaks straightly, Jill Lee agreed. We seek a camp which can be defended. For perhaps there are men here whose hunting territory we have invaded, though we have not yet seen them. We are a people small in number and alone. Let us walk softly on trails which are strange to our feet." Inwardly Travis sighed in relief. Buck, Jill Lee, for the moment their sensible words appeared to swing the opinions of the party. If either of them could be established as Halzeel or clan leader, they would all be safer. He himself had no aspirations in that direction and dared not push too hard. It had been his initial urging which had brought them as volunteers into the project. Now he was doubly suspect, and especially by those who thought as Declay. He was considered too alien to their old ways. So far their protests had been fewer than he anticipated. Although brothers and sisters had followed each other into the team, after the immemorial desire of Apaches to cling to family ties, they were not a true clan with solidity of that to back them, but representatives of half a dozen. Basically, back on Terra, they had all been among the most progressive of their people. 
progressive, that is, in the white man's sense of the word. Travis had a fleeting recognition of his now oblique way of thinking. He, too, had been marked by the redax. They had all been educated in the modern fashion, and all possessed a spirit of adventure which marked them over their fellows. They had volunteered for the team, and successfully passed the tests to weed out the temperamentally unfit or faint-hearted. But all that was before redax. Why had they been submitted to that? And why this flight? What had pushed Dr. Ash and Murdoch and Colonel Kelgaris, time agents he knew and trusted, into dispatching them without warning to Topaz? Something had happened, something which had given Dr. Ruthven ascendancy over those others, and had started them on this wild trip. Travis was conscious of a stir about the firelit circle. The men were rising, moving back into the shadows, stretching out on the blankets they had found among the other stores on the ship. They had discovered weapons there—knives, bows, quivers of arrows, all of which they had been trained to use in the intensive schooling of the project, and which needed no more repair than they themselves could give. And the rations they carried were field supplies, few of them. Tomorrow they must begin hunting in earnest. Why has this thing been done to us?" Buck was beside Travis, those quiet eyes sliding past him to seek the fire once more. I do not think you were told when the rest of us were not. Travis seized upon that. There are those who say that I knew, agreed? That is so. Once we stood at the same place in time, in our thoughts, our desires. Now we stand at many places, as if we climbed a stairway, each at his own speed, a stairway the Pindalik Oyi has set upon us. Some here, some there, some yet farther above. He sketched a series of step outlines in the air. And in this there is trouble. The truth, Travis agreed, yet it is also true that I knew nothing of this that I climb with you on these stairs. So I believe. But there comes a time when it is best not to be a woman stirring a pot of boiling stew, but rather one who stands quietly at a distance." "'You mean?' Travis pressed. "'I say that, alone among us, you have crossed the stars before. Therefore, new things are not so hard to understand. And we need a scout. Also, the coyotes run in your footsteps, and you do not fear them." It made good sense. Let him scout ahead of the party, taking the coyotes with him. Stay away from the camp for a while, and speak small, until the people on Buck's stairway were more closely united. "'I go in the morning,' Travis agreed. He could slip away tonight, but just now he could not force himself away from the fire from the companionship. "'You might take Zoe with you,' Buck continued. Travis waited for him to enlarge on that suggestion. Zoe was one of the youngest of their group, Buck's own cross-cousin and near-brother. "'It is well,' Buck explained, "'that we learn this land, and it has always been our custom that the younger walk in the footprints of the older. Also, 
not only should trails be learned, but also men. Travis caught the thought behind that. Perhaps by taking the younger men as scouts, one after another, he could build up among them a following of sorts. Among the Apaches, leadership was wholly a matter of personality. Until the reservation days, chieftains had gained their position by force of character alone, though they might come successively from one family clan over several generations. He did not want the chieftainship here. No, but neither did he want growing whispers working about him to cut him off from his people. To every Apache, severance from the clan was a little death. He must have those who would back him if Declay, or those who thought like Declay, turned grumbling into open hostility. Soe is one quick to learn, Travis agreed. We go at dawn. Along the mountain range? Buck inquired. If we seek a protected place for the rancheria, yes. The mountains have always provided good strongholds for the people. And you think there is need for a fort? Travis shrugged. I have been one day's journey out into this world. I saw nothing but animals. But that is no promise that elsewhere there are no enemies. The planet was on the tapes we brought back from that other world, and so it was known to the others who once rode between star and star, as we rode between ranch and town. If they had this world set on a journey tape, it was for a reason. That reason may still be in force. Yet it was long ago that these star people rode so, Buck mused. Would the reason last so long? Travis remembered two other worlds one of weird desert inhabited by beast-things, or had they once been human, human to the point of possessing intelligence, that had come out of sand-burrows at night to attack a spaceship, and the second world where the ruins of a giant city had stood choked with jungle vegetation, where he had made a blowgun from tubes of rustless metal as a weapon-gift for small winged men. But were they men? Both had been remnants of that ancient galactic empire. Some things could so remain," he answered soberly. If we find them, we must be careful. But first, a good sight for the rancheria. There is no return to home for us," Buck stated flatly. Why do you say that? There could be a rescue ship later. The other raised his eyes again to Travis. When you slept under the redax, how did you ride? as a warrior, raiding, living. And I—I I was one with Gotendi, Buck returned simply. But—but the white man has assured us that such power, the power of a chief, does not exist? Yes, the Pindelik Oyi has told us so many things. He is busy, busy with his tools, his machines, always busy and those who think in another fashion cannot be measured by his rules, so they are foolish dreamers. Not all white men think so. There was Dr. Ash, he was beginning to understand a little. Perhaps I too am standing still, halfway up the stairway of the past. But of this I am very sure. For us, 
there will be no return to our own place. And the time will come when something new shall grow from the seed of the past. Also, it is necessary that you be one of the tenders of that growth. So I urge you, take Tsoe, and the next time Lupe. For the young, who may be swayed this way and that way by words, as the wind shakes a small tree, must be given firm roots. In Travis, education warred with instinct, just as the picture Redax had planted in his mind had warred with his awaking to this alien landscape. Yet now he believed he must be guided by what he felt, and he knew that no man of his race would claim Gondi, the power of spirit known only to a great chief, unless he had actually felt it swell within him. It might have been fostered by hallucination in the past, but the aura of it carried into the here and now, and Travis had no doubts that Buck believed implicitly in what he said, and that belief carried credulity to others. This is wisdom, Nantan. Buck shook his head. I am no Nantan, no chief, but of some things I am sure. You also be sure of what lies within you, younger brother." On the third day, ranging eastward along the base of the mountain range, Travis found what he believed would be an acceptable campsite. There was a canyon with a good spring of water cut round by well-marked game trails. A series of ledges brought him up to a small plateau where scrub wood could be used to build the wickiups. Water and food lay within each, and the ledge approach was easy to defend. Even Declay and his fellow malcontents were forced to concede the value of the site. His duty to the clan accomplished, Travis returned to his own concern, one which had haunted him for days. Topaz had been taped by men of the vanished Star Empire. Therefore the planet was important, but why? As yet, he had found no indication that anything above the intelligence level of the Splithorns was native to this world. Yet he was gnawed by the certainty that there was something here waiting, and the desire to learn what it was became an ever-burning ache. Perhaps he was what Declay had accused him of being, one who had come to follow the road of the Pindalik Oyi too closely. For Travis was content to scout with only the coyotes for company, and he did not find the loneliness of the unknown planet as intimidating as most of the others. He was checking his small trail pack on the fourth day, after they had settled on the plateau, when Buck and Jill Lee hunkered down beside him. "'You go hunt?' Buck broke the silence first. "'Not for meat.' "'What do you fear?' that Ndendai, enemy people, have marked this as their land?" Jill Lee questioned. That may be true, but now I hunt for what this world was at one time, the reason why the ancient starmen marked it as their own. And this knowledge may be of value to us? Jill Lee asked slowly. Will it bring food to our mouths, shelter for our bodies, mean life for us? All that is possible. It is the unknowing which is bad." "'True, unknowing is always bad,' Buck agreed. 
but the bow which is fitted to one hand and strength of arm may not be suited to another. Remember that, younger brother. Also, do you go alone? With Naganulta and Nalik Ideyu I am not alone. Take Tsoe with you also. The four-footed ones are indeed gotten for the service of those they like, but it is not good that a man walks alone from his kind. There it was again, the feeling of clan solidarity which Travis did not always share. On the other hand, Tsoe would not be a hindrance. On other scouts the boy had proved to have a keen eye for the country, and a liking for experimentation which was not a universal attribute even among those of his own age. "'I would go to find a path through the mountains. It may be a long trail,' Travis half protested. "'You believe what you seek may lie to the north?' Travis shrugged. "'I do not know.' How can I? But it will be another way of seeking. Tsoe shall go. He keeps silent before older warriors, and is proper for the untried. But his thoughts fly free, as do yours," Buck replied. It is in him also, this need to see new places. There is this, Jill Lee got to his feet. Do not go so far, brother that you may not easily find a way to return. This is a wide land, and within it we are but a handful of men alone." That too I know. Travis thought he could read more than one kind of warning in Jill Lee's words. They were the second day away from the plateau camp, and climbing, when they chanced upon the pass Travis had hoped might exist. Before them lay an abrupt descent to what appeared to be open plains country cloaked in a dusky amber, Travis now knew was the thick grass found in the southern valleys. Soe pointed with his chin. Wide land, good for horses, cattle, ranches. But all those lay far beyond the black space surrounding them. Travis wondered if there was any native animal which could serve man in place of the horse. Do we go down? So he asked. From this point, Travis could sight no break far out on the amber plain, no sign of any building or any disturbance of its smooth emptiness. Yet it drew him. We go, he decided. Close as it had looked from the pass, the plain was yet a day and a night, spent in careful watching by turns, ahead of them. It was mid-morning of the second day that they left the foothill breaks, and the grass of the open country was waist-high about them. Travis could see it rippling where the coyotes threaded ahead. Then he was conscious of a persistent buzzing, a noise which irritated faintly until he was compelled to trace it to its source. The grass had been trampled flat for an irregular patch, with a trail of broken stalks out of the heart of the plain. At one side was a buzzing, seething mass of glitter-winged insects, which Travis already knew as carrion-eaters. They arose reluctantly from their feast as he approached. He drew a short breath, which was close to a grunt of astounded recognition. What lay there was so impossible that he could not believe the evidence of his eyes. Soe gave a sharp exclamation, went down on one knee for a closer examination 
then looked at Travis over his shoulder, his eyes wide, more than a trace of excitement in his voice. Horse dung and fresh. End of chapter four.